Hey, besties. This is That's Just My Opinion with your host, Marlene. Let's get started. Hey, y'all. Welcome to another episode. Thank you so much um, for joining me. I know I've been a little MIA the past couple of weeks. I've been working on some stuff, but we're back. And I actually have some very interesting guests that I'm super excited to talk about today. We were having a conversation before the episode started about a couple of things, and I cannot wait for them to share this information with you guys. So I have Mr. CJ Soto, right? Thank you for having me. (laughs) Yes, of course. Thank you for being here. And then I also have uh, Trisha Cortez. I don't know if you guys have any other type of like doctor or any, you know, other doctor other of life. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I was like, um, today we are talking about um, RGICS, I, I think see, it is. Um, Rio Grande International Study Center. And we just go by risk for short. The G might be silent, but we are not. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Do you guys actually use it? <laughs> That's we so need to cool. Make That's a great that would be that would be a really cool like slogan. Bumper stickers or something. That would be At really least. cool. That would be really cool. So, uh, are you guys based in Laredo? Yes. Okay. Mostly Laredo, or do you guys just go around the whole Rio Grande? Well, uh, so our nonprofit, it's an environmental nonprofit. We're the only, we're like the leading environmental nonprofit in this whole region of South Texas. And uh, we were founded 28 years ago in 1994 by a group of biologists on both sides of the river, Laredo and Nuevo Laredo. Um, very concerned about the deteriorating state of our river. Um, it's our only source of drinking water. It still ranks as one of the 10 most endangered rivers in the world. And um, so, you know, there's a lot of work that we have to do to um, make sure people are aware of that and that we're figuring out solutions and doing everything that we can to improve and restore its health um, so that we can continue to stick around here. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, I feel like a lot of people don't understand that if we don't have water, we don't have anything. Like, it's sure. just... It, it gets very dangerous. <laughs> it gets really dangerous. I know. Yeah. So I'm originally from Monterrey. Well, I'm kind of around from everywhere, but I lived in Monterrey for a very long time. And I don't know if you guys know, but Nuevo León, which is the state, um, they don't have a lot of water right now. Like there's, you know, certain um, schedules that people are going on now that it's kind of like, okay, this area is going to have water on these days and these areas is going to have water on these days. And it sucks. Like, it's, that's horrible. I could only, I don't even want to imagine what that would feel like if I would be in that situation. So we, yeah. Um, and I think we have to be really conscious. I think um, we are living in um, in an era of climate change. And which means, you know, very unpredictable weather patterns, um, rainfall, snowfall, everything that impacts these, these river systems. And, um, and, you know, for the Rio Grande, it's already one of the 10 most endangered rivers in the world. And um, and so we have to be very mindful about potential climate impacts and how are we using that water. Um, um, I, I think we have to be very conscious of these kinds of things, what's happening in Monterrey and why, and out west as well um, with the Colorado River 
um, also of deep concern. So, so have you guys heard? So I've been I'm I'm big on Twitter and I'm big on Instagram. It's so funny because we always joke about how like the news according to Twitter. Um, because that's my news outlet, right? I don't really stand in front of the TV and watch TV. I read articles and stuff like that. But um, there's a lot going around about how uh, Big Bend is also drying up. Like, mm-hmm. so, yes. So um, there, you know, we're in drought. We're in these really s- serious drought conditions. And, you know, the, the Rio Grande, it starts in the, in the, southern rocky mountains and in the rocky mountains of southern colorado right that's where the headwaters are and um but it's kind of these two very distinct hydrological systems by the time the river reaches el paso um these dams and everything have left just a little trickle and uh so many months out of the year it's just this teeny teeny trickle and then it's and then there's like this um 150 or 200 mile stretch afterward it's called the forgotten stretch because there's almost no water so it takes the conchos river basin from chihuahua in in mexico to replenish the river and so then it goes through big bend and then it makes its way to amistad dam in del rio and then come here to laredo then goes to falcon dam down in zapata on down to the gulf of mexico and um so i think big bend you know they're just experiencing these um these serious drought conditions and it's going to take precipitation it's going to take releases of water from the conchos basin their dams um as well um to you know to 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 get water back into the river and is that, I mean, of course, I don't know if you guys know, but my question that came to head was, um, are they doing something about it? Or is it just something that usually happens? And then, like you said, with uh, precipitation and just rains, does it, you know, kind of mm-hmm. get back to normal? Or is this like an abnormal thing that's happening right now? Um, I don't know too too well the history, Marlene, of, you know, water flow levels specifically in that part of, of Texas mm-hmm. in the Big Bend area. But um, there are um, there are treaties between the U.S. and Mexico that guide how much um, water needs to be released into the river from the Conchos Basin, for example, these dams, and how much uh, um, uh, Mexico needs to put into the river. And same thing on the U.S. side. And sometimes there's conflicts, um, and Mexico carries a water debt that it's supposed to put in this amount every year, and it doesn't. And so they, um, so long as it pays it back in a five-year period, then the debt is canceled. And of course, those things change if there's, you know, significant uh, rain event or, um, or or weather that just kind of, you know, replenishes the river on its own and these dams and these river systems. So. Um, Normally that happens, but in this specific case, I don't know enough. I haven't looked into it about the actual history of this part of Big Bend and and their river flows. That's crazy. It's like a credit card with water. Yes, it's like I need to I need to input this much into. That's so. I had honestly, I had never thought about where the Rio Grande comes from. Yeah, it's and not something that I have had ever occurred to me. And most of the water is captured by um, ag farmers, by ag users down in the Rio Grande Valley um, and on the Mexican side, too. And then upriver from us, as we were talking about in Chihuahua, um, a, a lot of agriculture use there. And that's why they want to keep 
as much water, you know, on their side of the dam mm-hmm. and not release it into the river. So, um, yeah, it, it's, it is very interesting uh, because, like, in our stretch, like, the water that you see flowing down, if you here in Laredo, you go to the river, a couple of things, like, every single drop of that water is owned by somebody with water rights, you know, or, or ha- I should say the state, the, the governments own, literally own the water, but the water rights are are held by somebody and that's either cities or ranchers or 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 agricultural farmers or districts or 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 industry um um and so and so there is a water master in the state of texas that's a really cool name i know can you imagine what's your title i'm I'm the the water master rio grande water master (laughs) so it's a great title and so um everybody who has water rights they send um, this person once a week or whatever, release this amount of water. I need this amount of water. And then it gets released from the dams and that water gets to you, you know, a few days later or a week later. So that water, the river, um, it's controlled releases of water. And, uh, unless of obviously there's a rain event and there's some flood or, or what, what have you, but they, it's a controlled release and like 80% or so of that river water is going to farmers and ag uh, users down in the valley, which don't always use efficient irrigation systems, right? There's many are still using open canals and we're so hot. Imagine all that water that gets lost through evaporation and leakages. There's a lot of that. And, uh, and so we have to fix that, you know. And, and what's really important is the city of Laredo right now, they're working on a master plan, looking at um, a 50-year master plan for water and wastewater. And they're, it's, it's not final, but their preliminary draft says, we, in 18 years' time, by 2040, which is not too far away, we are not going to be able to use the Rio Grande as our only source of drinking water. There's not enough water in there for us to, like, use and depend on it completely as we always have since Laredo was founded in 1755 that's that's extraordinary so um I mean that that's gonna get revised you know they were just looking at population projections and just current river flow kind of numbers they weren't taking into account a lot of other factors um but that's something that we should constantly be thinking of and figuring out worried about that's yes that's something that is going to mean big changes yes Mm-hmm. Brace yourselves, Laredo. Yeah, no, and I mean it's with coming. this with this heat yeah. that is going on right now. I mean, who doesn't want to just jump into a pool mm-hmm. and like just because ACs are going just completely crazy, which means those light bills are going to be completely crazy. Mm-hmm. And then you, we don't really have like, for example, if you go a little bit more up north. You know, a river that people go and just get in, like, the what? Not too long ago, just last week, because I'm originally from San Antonio. Like, that's where I live right now. Um, I went to the Guadalupe River, and me, my roommate, and my brother were just, just in the water, just, just, just being able to refresh ourselves. And I feel like Laredo doesn't have that. We have the lake, Casablanca, that I've gotten in before, and it always... I always come out, you know, with a little weird smell. So I know a lot of people don't really like going into Lake Casablanca. So it's not like we can go and, you know, just relax in it. Um, 
I feel like it's going to be very worrisome, like at a point when we can't use the Rio Grande the way that we've been so comfortably using it. Mm-hmm. So our future podcast, Marlene, we're going to talk about <laughs> the Binational River Park, and we're going to talk about this also um, major project that Nuevo Laredo is doing to repair its wastewater and sewer infrastructure that will really help to clean up the river and the water quality in the river. And it's um, hopefully the the goal is, you know, they're already moving on that. And then, um, you know, if that that is going to be very important for this Binational River Park. But the last thing I'll say about that is um, when the Clean Water Act passed in the 1970s, the promise that was made is every U.S. river um, should be a swimmable and fishable river. And that's like, right, that's like an end goal, right? That's what we're trying to attain. Um, so we'll talk about that. And then you can go tubing, like the Guadalupe yeah, River. It's, yeah, We're going to make I mean, that happen. The, the Guadalupe one, there's also the San Marcos one, which I think is also part of the Guadalupe River. Um, and then we have Frio River, which is also, you know, known as Concan, which also goes through Garner and Chalk Bluff and all of those really cr- cool places that Texans usually go in too bad. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, we always have to drive at least two hours to go to each of them. Um, and then we also don't have a beach, <laughs> so we also right. have to drive to Corpus or South Padre and stuff like that. So I, I think that would be really exciting. I think that's something that people would really look forward to, especially with, I mean, because we've always known Laredo gets really hot. Like, it's not, like, yeah, it's hotter now, but it's always been mm-hmm. hot. So going back to the whole damn thing, I have a question that may be... Not the brightest question, but I just kind of want to know. So what's the purpose of having all of that water through dams? Um, well, a couple of reasons. They um, many times are initially built for flood control, to control and uh, floods and minimize damage from, from floods. But a lot of times it's kind of, um, it's kind of, security for these interests that farmers, for example, I'm just using them as an example, that they they know that there is a source of water that's being held somewhere that they're going to need, you know, especially during a couple of times out of the year. Um, So many times they're built for flood control and they're built to serve um, special interests like farmers and ag, uh, you know, um, ag ag interests um, oftentimes. So if they didn't exist, would it mean that floods would be more of a thing or would it mean, because I guess my question is, or, or well, my thought process was at a point those did not exist. Mm -hmm. And does that mean that we just had, you know, a river constantly flowing and flooding everyone or? This is a great, great question, Marlene. And I think you're going to have people on different sides of the issues, right? Like, municipalities and special interests and engineers, right, they want to control nature, right, for for good or bad reasons, right, you know. Um, but, you know, I think you're going to have people who um, are environmentalists or, or want to um, protect habitat and wildlife. When you dam a river, 
there's many, many negative impacts that happen too. You are changing the way this river has flowed for thousands of years. You're impacting aquatic species. Uh, you're impacting um, so many things. And so there's been a movement you know, in the United States to try to get rid of dams uh, um, for, for, for lots of reasons. And um, if we didn't have dams, I guess the fears um, would be in a, in, a, in a place like ours that's semi-arid and, and is very hot and dry that, you know, would, would there be security of water? You know, would water be there? Would it be flowing for, for these cities and ag users? I, you know, that's, I think, a fear and, um, you know, I, I, I'd say probably that's, that's one of the biggest fears. And even, even with dams, you know, depending on rain events or hurricanes, we still get major flood events. The flood of 2010 that happened in June. I mean, the river crested like, uh, I always forget it's like, it was 40 feet. I mean, massive, like right underneath bridge one, like there was a little, wow. little piece of sky you could see in between. And, um, and and it and it it's not just high, but it spreads, and so floods still happen uh, despite the dams. And whether the 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 dams help control the the extent of damage, you know, um, I, I'm not an expert enough to know that about these specific dams here with Amistad and Falcon. But anyway, in, in general. Um, it's a great question that you ask because you're going to get very different opinions about the benefits of dams or not. Hey, and at the end of the day, we're here to start a conversation and um, everyone has their opinion. Yeah. <laughs> I have a quick anecdote about that flood. that I completely forgot about it until you brought it up, but I, I live in the south side of Laredo um, and there's like a park that's right next to the river when that happened the park was completely gone like there's a couple of soccer fields and uh baseball field and stuff and it was literally completely underwater like you could s the there's like a hill that you have to drive down to to like get into the parking lot like all of that was submerged that year i completely forgot about that until just now but it was pretty wild Come to think about it, just that's crazy yeah. that's crazy so with all of that water w did it just end up drying up or did what did they do yeah they opened a dam <laughs> opened the dams um, that's how that happened because it was, you know, those rain events were upstream as a hurricane that that happened. And uh, it makes its way down to the Gulf of Mexico, you know, where where it, it um, donde desemboque at uh, Boca Chica is, is, where is, is where that place is called, just south of Brownsville. That's a, that's that's really interesting. That's a lot of information that I I guess you just. Sometimes you're just so caught up in your life that you, I mean, obviously someone that doesn't specifically work for like a nonprofit like you guys, um, you don't really think about these things. You know, you're not constantly thinking about how, you know, there's a drought going on now, how um, in a couple of years we won't have water. You hear it here and there on Instagram. You see posts about it. You'll reshare it and you'll hope that it'll get better. But I feel like a lot of people don't know where to start, mm -hmm. don't know what's going specifically on in their city. And that's something the, the original idea of why you guys were on the podcast was talking about uh, the wetlands. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. That's in Laredo. That's to be more specific around like the Loop 20 in front of the airport part. Right. So I'm not a Laredo native. I was not born and raised here. I knew about that. The wetlands existed. I was telling CJ. Um 
a couple of weeks ago. Like I had no idea that that was a thing. I've been to Lake Casablanca many times before, but you know, I like the trails that are there. I take my dogs there because I'm a dog mom. So my dog's like, you know, running around there and it's usually empty. So it's great for my dogs because they can just go and run around. Something that I do not encourage because they're supposed to be leashed. But, um, you know. We won't say anything. Yeah, my, do- my dogs do it, you know. Sue me. So I had never noticed that that, that was there. So I don't know if you guys want to... Just first of all, what is a wetland? Like what, why is it called? I mean, obviously it's wet, but why is it a wetland versus like rivers or stuff like that? Well, wetland would be like an elaboration of, of a river. Um, if, if you would protect wetlands, which we don't, <laughs> I think there would be less flooding. So going back to the river, if we had protected more of those wetlands beside the river, uh, there would be less impacts. Um, most of the time, wetlands uh, turn into something recreational, parks. Uh, but when you do that, uh, parks become uh, this kind of flat, kind of grassy-looking place rather than a whole bunch of trees and vegetation uh, that can help control, even filter out um, uh, anything that's other than water, you know, trash or chemicals. So if we small-scale ourselves from the river to Lake Asablanca, there's one specific area that the city can work with and uh, by law already does. Uh, so this wetland's already protected. But a few years ago, it was about three times bigger than what it is now. Now it's a little speck, but it's still large enough for plentiful wildlife. Um, it, it restores the lake um, tremendously. You can see it on Google Maps. You zoom out, look at it, and you can tell there's something going on there. Uh, but right now, you know, of course, since it uh, burned down, it's, it's kind of hard to believe that that area restores the lake. But when it's back and, and flourishing, uh, you'll notice that the largest trees in that area uh, are at the wetland. So, and that wetland is the one that's right behind that new because that's new i remember mm-hmm. whenever i moved to laredo that dd discounts and like the ross that's right in front of the airport it did not exist right so it was just just barely built so i know that you guys have been having a fight there trying to conserve it <laughs> before it was uh, protected so uh, when did that start and how long because i know you were you were on there cj i know you were part of it because they told me so what can you tell us about that well, if it weren't for Risk and Trish and uh, Doc Earhart, <laughs> you would not have known about this wetland. Um, it, it is very easy to miss because it's just a whole bunch of trees, and you're going to your facility, uh, what have you, picnic area. Uh, people don't really go to to find trees or, or streams, and if they do, um, it, it, it would just be good to have the whole community aware of this spot. Um, but in all uh, honesty, what was your question again? <laughs> uh, how long has the fight been going on? Or like, Ooh, what were the details of decades. the fight? I think it started, um, to the best of my knowledge, like in 08, 2008. And I, didn't, I wasn't with the organization then. I joined in 2010. But in 2008, um, uh, these, that, that property is in 
off Loop 20 in front of the airport, and it was this big rectangular piece of empty property that belonged to the city airport. And, um, and, and it, yeah, it, it's right there in front of the airport across the street, across Loop 20 from the airport, like the 70, 80-acre rectangular track. And on the edge, you know, the side closer to Lake Casablanca, you had this, like, 11-acre, like, wetland, and so spectacular. Ugh. And so there were plans by this developer uh, to come in, and they were going to create, you know, these hotels and parking lots and all this stuff, and, um, and, and, you know, pave over and get rid of this wetland or, or um, and so at that time, the organization, Dr. Earhart and, and um, other people like Bertie Torres and others, they collected about 13,000 signatures from the community and they raised a lot of awareness back then and they would have candlelight vigils there to try to protect and save that. And they would say, look, you can develop all so much of the rest of your tract, save this because, um, a wetland, you know, it kind of has um, its land that is saturated by water for a period of time and, and consistently, and it supports certain kinds of vegetation, right? And so this place was getting this water um, in part. It was runoff from the airport. It was runoff from Loop 20. And like CJ is saying, you know, wetlands, they act like our kidneys. They filter you know, the, 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 this water entering that's coming off Loop 20 in the airports, it's filtering slowly, slowly, and it gets cleaned and, and filtered out before it enters into the lake. And, and, and this is like the, the great function that wetlands serve. And it was full of wildlife, and it looked like Jurassic Park. It was just these groves of, like, um, of, of, palm trees and you just felt like a dinosaur was going to come out and run at you and it was just like you could not believe you were in Laredo this place was stunning so pretty a lot of people didn't know about it and then um and and so then what happened is in 2008 when the economy um tanked and and went through a major downturn this project just got shelved right uh and our organization got blamed for that but with the signatures, but the city still was going to move forward with it. But it was that the economy, you know, um, went south for a bit. And um, and then when things got better, it wasn't until, um, I believe it was, it was in 2013, I, I, or I think it was in 2013, where the economy revived and then so plans came back. And uh, despite our efforts, uh, and there were a lot of, people that we took out there to just come see this, what was about to be lost. Because um, once these places are lost, you pave them over with concrete or parking lots. They're very hard to bring back. And the city kept a portion, I don't know, maybe five acres, maybe? Five acres, and then they added the, the new pond. So together, it's seven acres to there, work with now. There was a pond, and it was it was like a finger of Lake Casablanca. And, and it wasn't... Um, my understanding, it wasn't natural. It was man-made, but like 50, 60 years ago. But it's just the it, pond. Just the pond, but it became a thriving ecosystem. And you could put a kayak in there and oh, yeah. see all sorts of, of, of birds, you know, herons. And oh, yeah. I don't know, we saw we saw a whole bunch um, the other day and, and fish and turtles and um, javelina and I don't know. Owls. Owls, all sorts of wildlife. So, so uh, 
you know, we had meetings with a developer and would ask, can you just incorporate this into your development and make it a feature and it it's protected? And then you're also giving people in the community a chance to experience and see something stunning and just so beautiful. And, and you are, you know, protecting the water quality of Lake Casablanca because this runoff that's entering it is getting filtered along the way. Um, but no, I mean, in the end, that that just was not, that was just not um, interest. It, yeah, and you know, the city got a check for for about seven million dollars, and this fabulous, great hotel and five star whatever. I mean, none of that materialized. It became a dollar store and <laughs> yeah. and Ross. And <laughs> we were talking about that. That it's uh, a Ross, a DJ discounts, a dollar store, and I think uh, like one of those shoe rack places. Ooh. What are those called? Yeah. <laughs> Some type of like some type of like shoe store, Not sure. and um, I mean we already have a DD discounts. We already have Dollar Trees. Oh, yeah. We already have Ross's couple. Sure. I just I mean we just have one of those. You know, one one wetland. I don't understand why, and I don't know. I'm just. I'm, I am a really big nature lover. Like I've just always, I mean, that's one of the big reasons why I moved to San Antonio. I just like being able to go and hike and oh, being yeah. able to go and go to the river and just be at the river all day. And like, not, not those like super busy, like Gardner state park kind of like rivers that it's just more of like an entertainment place now than like actually being out. Right. And, uh, I remember whenever, like, I used to live in Laredo, I used to go to Lake Casablanca, and Lake Casablanca is man-made, right? Sure. Mm-hmm. To fifties, I believe. To what I know, yeah. Okay, yeah, because I never, I it's never a, knew it was man-made. But it's a so. part of a of a key tributary of the river. It's part of the Chacon Creek system, yes. yeah. and so that it's a presa, right? And it's capturing water from the Chacon Creek yep. watershed. Yeah, that's all they did. They just dammed uh, Chacon Creek, saying not so creek. Uh, but the whole upland, uh, there's a lot of history there. There's plenty of arrowheads. Don't take them home. <laughs> it's illegal. One interesting thing about the, that place, and and we found some when they started the earthwork, right, to move stuff and, and pave and, or, or clear the, the land, I guess, if you will. That spot, Lake Casablanca, uh, these group of paleontologists – from UT Austin back in the um, 80s or 90s. I, I'm totally blanking, sorry. And Dr. Westgate just passed away. But they discovered these Eocene-era fossils at Lake Casablanca from 40 million years ago. I mean, this was like beachfront property, right? This There were sea snakes and tiger sharks and miniature horses and these ancient lemurs, and there's a lot of oyster... Um, oyster shelves there and and that was discovered there at Lake Casablanca and then so after all this got sold they started doing earthwork I remember there were piles of dirt and we just went to go see and we started to find like these blocks of like fossils of like ancient vegetation prints or oyster reefs and oysters sorry oysters and uh um I don't know I mean the it's it's that place has a unique uh, geography and, and, and ancient kind of past to it um, that, that had been discovered. Um, and there's, there's still parts around Lake Casablanca, but, but when they started to, to clear the land, we did find 
some of that stuff existed there too. That's insane. All I heard was uh, small horses, miniature horses. And I was like, what? I was just trying to imagine a miniature <laughs> horse. And then you said tiger sharks. And I was like, it's so crazy um, because there's always like the myths of like, oh yeah, it's because there is like these monsters in Lake Casablanca that like the <laughs> narcos put there and they grew and they developed and they like, the, I, I've always heard these like stories and it was even worse because one of my friends had a boat and he liked going on to like Lake Casablanca and just being there, right? And then, um, well, he'd like, you know, go into the water and stuff and you'd just like feel something like, touching yours like oh my god like, i'm gonna die and it was always so fun and now like hearing these stories about like these actual like old like ancient type of animals and vegetation being there it's just like uh, because you can't see anything into lake casablanca like lake casablanca is i'm not sure how deep but you can't see anything oh, in yeah. there yeah like if you're in the middle like you put your hand and you can maybe see like a foot down. So it just, it makes my mind go crazy of like <laughs> what could be in this water. And I just think that's so cool. Like just, you know, being able to have that type of opportunity to yeah. like adventure and stuff like that in Laredo and like the middle of Laredo where it's just right across from the airport and like people just don't really care about it. Like Lake Casablanca is something that I feel more people go. And I was talking to my roommate about this not too long ago. Like people on lower budgets go and like vacation yes, there. Yes. Right. Like they go and like, and we're going to go to Lake yes. Casablanca. And it's such a beautiful place to be. So Marlene, at that time in 2008, Dr. Earhart and these people who wanted to save it, that was a huge part of it because they felt this was like an oasis for many people in Laredo that that weren't able to go travel to, I don't know, wherever to enjoy. To La Isla or like. But it could be here and, and, and it wouldn't be, um, you know, they, they could enjoy being by the lake. They could enjoy this spot and they weren't going to have like, you know, um, you know, parking lots and big buildings and, and lights blaring at you that, that you'd have this little piece of nature that you were going to protect for, um, you know, for, for people of this community. And, and that was a big part of of that fight back then it wasn't just about protecting it for animals and habitat and water quality yes, which is also awesome very but important but it was for the community to enjoy yes yeah that was a big part of the fight for back our then. kids and their kids yeah for generations to come that's exactly what i was going to say for generations to come well on that matter what are a couple of things that like as the community of laredo hears this what is what what can we do what are a couple of things that we can do to maybe help the impact because of course we can't reverse everything that already happened mm -hmm. but um cj was just telling us about how whenever that fire happening is i don't know if a lot of people know but there was a fire right mm -hmm. behind dd discounts and mm -hmm. right behind you know that went on for a couple hours during mm -hmm. that day and josh and i had had driven by that at night because we were going to go to some restaurant or something like that and we had to go through loop 20 and there was a lot of traffic there was tons of traffic and we didn't know what was going on until a couple of days later i saw it on instagram and then i saw the pictures that you guys are talking about of how how it used to look mm -hmm. and how it looked like something just drawn out of jurassic park mm -hmm. because it did mm -hmm. and uh, 
it just made me so sad and that's why i wanted to you know have you guys on here and like talk about it a little bit more into depth and see what it is that we can do to maybe prevent something like that happen or just in general for a positive outcome right well i'll think of i'll say a couple things and then cj i know you've got a lot of ideas cj is in love with this place and he's been obsessed with it for like (laughs) years now um but if we're talking about that place one thing that that property is still owned by that developer laredo town center is still the property owner right it's not the city of laredo it's not publicly owned Laredo Heat, the soccer team, they are going to build, and they're in the process of building a very large complex right next to it on the border. And so um, we, I, I think this is an opportunity to see if there is somehow that, that these two private groups can come together and see about how to, you know, maybe um, restore and then maybe have that space as a feature as part of this new heat complex that's going to be fields. And I don't know exactly all the plans, but, you know, maybe it's it's asking Laredo Heat, hey, you know, the, the, the wetland, the Casablanca wetland right next to you, um, you know, um, asking them, can can you help restore and 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 have it become a feature for the for the people as part of your complex i mean i think that's sort of one thing maybe just immediately off the top of my mind and the other thing in general is i think people in laredo should be very aware of how development happens that we need to protect our green spaces that's why we don't have so many green spaces that's why the wet many wetlands in this town are gone um, because they've been paved over and we have not had a good healthy balance between development practices in Laredo and um, working with nature right the way nature and water wants to work and um, and so I think we need to uh, um, make sure that we figure out ways to have development the way it happens in Laredo um, be more in sync and work closer with the way nature works um, and and I think people need to be very mindful if they know of new developments that are coming up and you have to you know call your city council member um, you know and, and say I, I want to protect that green space I, I don't want it destroyed I don't want it to become a parking lot or a street or or some you know building um, because we don't have many of these places in, in Laredo we need to protect what we have for all sorts of reasons, for, for wildlife reasons, for flood control, for um, cooling, um, you know, the heat island effect that, that we'll have here. Um, you know, they, they, they serve so many functions, green spaces, and psychologically, they, they make people happy. You know, you can go to this place and, and de-stress for a little while, and the Japanese, they have this really cool phrase, um, uh, uh, called Shirin Roku. I think it's called forest bathing. And if even if you can just escape for 30 minutes in nature, like the, the, the psychological and emotional benefits to you are, are very high. You know, even if you just do 30 minutes and we need that here. Yeah. And it's hard to get here. It's, it's hard because everything, everywhere you look, like you said, it's just, 
paved and you know parking lots now and i mean i understand that laredo survives off of most mostly our tourism and stuff like that because we are you know a gateway city we are a border town you know people cross through here all the time and they need to buy their stuff and you know that's how we maintain the community being a community right but at the same time wouldn't it be so cool for people to be like oh, I'm going to go to Laredo because they have this super great park and they have this super great kind of like how people go to all of these nature, beautiful places like in Utah or in Arizona or, you know, Nevada. I know we don't have mountains like that, but there's definitely something that can be just protected in that way and be able to encourage people to be more in nature. And mm -hmm. I feel like a really big part there is because it's so hot outside that it's just, It, it, it's unreal mm -hmm. to be out in these 110 degree weathers like it's it is you obviously want to be in a mall with ac more than you know being in like casablanca where they only have a little techito and like mm -hmm. i understand it's hard but you know it's a start we can start somewhere and then from mm -hmm. there on we can go definitely i i agree what were your ideas cj so well just to backtrack real quick about people visiting laredo or visiting other areas, um, what's going on? <laughs> to get closer to the mic. I'm sorry about that, <laughs> thank you. Um, <clears throat> we already get people from out of town, out of state, out of the country. We get people from Alaska, Spain. They come down just to cross off their, their, their bird checklists. And uh, if you don't believe me, go to the campsites and ask people where they're from. What are they doing here? And a lot of the time, it's just for birding. And... Um, That that brings a lot of value to Laredo. Uh, the birding festival alone brings a lot I of money. I saw the birding festival. I thought it was such a cool. I hated that I was not in town for that. But we'll it was come next year. We're doing our 11th. That's our 11th. And it's always in early February. And like CJ said, Laredo, okay, the Rio Grande corridor between Laredo and Brownsville, it's the birdiest corridor in all of North America, this whole continent, because we're the meeting spot between the Central and Mississippi flyways. And there's hundreds of prized birds here that you can't find in other places. Some that migrate here in the winter, some that migrate here from Central America during the spring. But then year round, you've got like amazing birds that can't be found anywhere else. And like CJ said, uh, So many people come to Laredo to, like, they have their life list and they want to check off, you know, that they saw that bird and that bird. And they come here to check off a whole bunch of birds. And so we need to protect their habitat. We need to protect these wetlands and the creeks and the river um, to make sure that, that they have a place, um, you know, to, to live or, you know. Um, I mean, just to have that balance. I mean, why birds are so cute. Like, why do you feel the need to, like not want to have birds you know sure <laughs> i mean they are they are Certainly. i just feel like that's such a that's such a great thing that um you know how a lot of people say you don't know what you have until you lose it yeah. oh yeah i feel like that's a really big thing that happens a lot in oh, yeah. in laredo just because we're so busy with our lives and we're not aware and of what's going on and the way that we are um really extraordinary in terms of bird species We are that way with butterflies and pollinator species. But, um, you know, that ecotourism is a big thing in many places. And I think as, as we start to create more awareness about this, um, I think we're going to discover a lot of neat 
pollinator species that are neotropical that we weren't even aware of. You know, we get the monarch butterfly that comes in through here through its migration, but there's many, many others that many of which we're, we're, we're not even fully aware of, you know. Yeah, it's, it's kind of funny because you can talk about butterflies, birds, and right away people will, you know, uh, label you as a tree hugger or as a liberal <laughs> Or whatever, um, but this is the time to bring in uh, people who love fishing, people who love hunting. Uh, wildlife conservation, you know, is all up on fishing and hunting. So, um, yeah, whether you're far right or far left, it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, we're just trying to protect an area that uh, that obviously enhances all this kind of stuff. Uh, whether you love uh, exploring. Or just sightseeing. I know a lot of Laredo leaders love going out of town and visited, you know, visiting all these awesome parks. But the people who can't do that here can really do it here if we just protect these areas. Yeah, I was I was telling uh, CJ not too long ago before we started recording that um, I have a I have a younger brother. My younger brother was born here in Laredo in two thousand and one. So we were in Laredo for about a year and some we lived here whenever I was younger. And uh, obviously I was not aware of what was in Laredo besides maybe like the mall and like United because my cousins went to United. <laughs> but um, whenever we moved back in 2016, we discovered Lake Casablanca. And my mom was just in awe because she's like, I can't believe I never knew that this lake was here. Like I lived here for a year and a half and I was never aware that it was a thing. And ever since we found it, like we just really liked going and just just not even having the necessity to because I know a lot of people think like, oh, it's because we need to go and grill and like someone needs to pick up. And like we would literally just go and just sit on. The, there's this there's this big rock that um kind of like overviews so when you go in you turn to your right and then you keep on going to your right and then you end up at like some bathrooms that are right after the little dock that you put your boat in right mm -hmm. so and you walk down and then you see a little piece of you know the lake and then there's some rocks that you can sit on and we loved just sitting there and just looking out like towards the lake and it was just so pretty and it was not, you know, completely out of this world, but it was just so like mesmerizing. And then whenever you would go like for a sunset mm. or like it was just so beautiful. It was just you would just stare. I remember what I hated about it was the mosquitoes, but it's normal, right? Like yeah. they just don't go in shorts. Like I'm just always in shorts and they're always biting me no matter where I'm at. So not it has nothing to do with Lake Casablanca, but it was beautiful. And it was just such a moment that it was just like me and my siblings and like my mom we were just enjoying the moment you know and that i remember that was the first thing we did whenever we came to laredo to see houses because we were we my mom lived in no laredo so we were gonna you know make the the jump and we went to go see houses and we found the lake casablanca and we we're just like <gasps> and it was just like whenever my my roommate that now like that, that now that I know that she would tell me like we would always go to Lake Casablanca and it was just kind of like our little vacation I was like I see why because it's so like there's water there's people you have your little picnic areas that are really nice um it's pet friendly you can take your you know your pets and they have a great time in the water and jumping back and forth and it's it truly is like a little paradise that you have within this really busy 
hardworking city because Laredo is such a hardworking city. And there's, you know, you turn and then you turn again and there's like three businesses that just came up and they're mostly local businesses, which of course I love that it's, you know, small businesses and all these people don't want to have your nine to five. Like they create their own business. And I, I love that about the hardworking people of Laredo. But there's also something that we need to be very aware of that's like, what, what what's it called? Our eco footprint or something like that that it's called and uh, as I grow older I guess I'm just very much more aware of it um of what we're leaving behind or what we're not leaving behind and uh, it's it gets a little frightening like it gets a little overwhelming like for someone with anxiety like me I just feel like like I'm ruining the planet so uh, I always like to know what are small things that I can do here and there because I know, of course, um, just just in general with, you know, climate change, there's always trying to use less plastic and, you know, trying to drive less and trying to do, you know, less of this and like, you know, what is it called? Uh, carpooling with people and you know going together to you know small little things that here and there at the end of the day make a difference I know a lot of people are very focused on the fact that like oh well it's because you know I can't completely stop using plastic like I need a plastic for this and this and this and it's not about just going you know what is it called cold turkey yeah it's just you know small little things like I'll put you know my penny here and then Josh will put his penny and then you guys can put their penny and you know a year after you'll see all of the pennies that we gathered up because we were all just you know little by little putting in something Mm -hmm. yeah no that's a great point Marlene and I'm glad that you're thinking about that and sharing this opinion with your with your listeners and uh, you know we we can only um, move one step at a time eat the elephant like one bite at a time <laughs> and and many times these things are are sort of deeper systemic problems with with how the system works and uh, you know we can do things individually in our day to day lives um, but we can also come together and demand change for um, how certain things work. And the people power is very powerful. And um, so I hope more of your listeners um, uh, get familiar with our nonprofit um, because we try to marry um, science and data with people power, you know, community action. And, uh, you know, there's we've got a lot to do, but, um, you know, the more people that join us, the stronger we'll be. And do you guys take like volunteers yes. or how, how is it that um, we or yeah. people that want to know can get mm-hmm. involved? Definitely. The, um, we, we have a website. We've got some social media platforms, Facebook, Insta. I think we're starting to build our Twitter and, and uh, very slowly the TikTok, but uh, <laughs> very slowly. Uh, but, but we've got, we've got, We've got activities all the time, whether it's uh, and anything from a major cleanup to at, at Las Palmas to or the the Paso del Indio or um, like tomorrow, for example, you know, we've got three monarch gardens, you know, that we're working to maintain and, and we need just help maintaining those to joining the Clean Air Laredo coalition that that we've recently formed. Uh, there, There's there's a lot of ways that people could volunteer and um and and help make a difference slowly but surely Mm -hmm. try to make a difference there for sure 
Well, thank you. <laughs> I felt very overwhelmed there for a second. Whenever <laughs> I was telling my story, I was like, woo. Mm. But um, I think it's really great because I've only been in Laredo for um for six years and i have such a love for this place like i'm not gonna lie whenever i moved here i hated it i hated it with a passion i was just like what am i doing in this desert there's nothing to do here no and i was also i was 20 years old and i started at at what used to be lcc that's now lc um and as a 20-year-old that used to live in bigger cities, because I was born and half-raised in Chicago, Illinois, and then I was uh, the other half-raised in Monterrey, Mexico, and they're both very busy, mm -hmm. metropolitan, big cities, right? And then I moved to Laredo, and first of all, Monterrey is hot, but Laredo is hot, hot. <laughs> so I've been that girl always that I go out, and 40 degree weather in shorts and a hoodie <laughs> and whenever it's hot outside my nose starts bleeding mm -hmm. and it's so funny but my boyfriend can literally like attest to this like i i cannot deal in hot weather <laughs> and my mom moves me to laredo and i was just like what why why do i have to be here like what's going on and then everyone out of lcc obviously already has like their little cliques because they've just been together for such a long time since my, my boyfriend tells me oh yeah i used to know that dude in kindergarten <laughs> i was like how do you know someone how do you remember someone in kindergarten i don't remember half of the people i don't remember anyone i went to in kindergarten only this one uh white girl that i used to go because she was my only friend her name was emily and i don't remember her last name i do not know what happened with her i just that was my only mm -hmm. friend in kindergarten and that was in chicago so now like in the laredo community as I, I started being more involved and more you know open to the idea that there's other cliques and there's other people mm -hmm. and you know just yeah. squeezing myself into you know all of these different um Ooh, projects awesome. and small businesses and I mean I made my own products and I've had I've talked to a lot of you know people that are trying to make Laredo a bigger city and a more you know, involved city and a more involved community and a, a community with, you know, bigger events and let's go here and let's go there. And, um, I think the, the kite show that they oh. had at North central was so adorable and cute. And I saw that being done in Chicago many times before. And I was always just like kite show, but now like you see it and it's like, well, that's so cool. Like a kite show. And my mom was like, are you guys going to go to the kite show? And I was like, yeah, mom, I'll be there. <laughs> and um, I think it's cool, you know, whenever everyone gathers up together, like whenever they do it at Independence Park for um, like 4th of July and stuff like that, that they just have, you know, the fireworks and it's concentrated to one place and it's just easier cleanup versus going straight right. through street, right? And um, I think these things are really cool. The farmer's market that happens mm -hmm. downtown, I think is really cool too. Like all of these little communities just make me feel more at home and i just i just started feeling more passionate about things like these like you can try and change and make something more community friendly out of it you know and like i said earlier we have a lot of stores already like we have a lot of rosses we have like three there's no need for another one Marlene, so. we're going to keep you posted on our Loving Laredo hikes and our Loving Laredo paddles. And Ooh. we don't really do them in the summer just because it gets a little too because warm. Because people quickly. melt outside? Yes, exactly. Yeah. 
but in the fall and and the the winter months and the spring it's nice i love it i think it's so cool the first i just came back from south dakota not too long ago because my sister lived in south dakota and um the first thing we did was we went to lake casablanca and we went to go hike with the dogs and um there's like this little like dirt trail where like you go on top and you can see the lake casablanca to the side and then you see beautiful loop 20 to the other side and i just think it's so cool and you just you know and then there's these little places where it says like oh you know bats used to be here and stuff like that and i just think that's so cool like it's something that if you take the time to see and understand it's it's beautiful like it's like these little aliens that are here like just living within us right like our community and you know these bats and these different animals and we were talking about a mountain lion that came out you know in the south side not too long ago and um like we truly live with all of these different like animals Mm -hmm. and i feel like we owe them nothing but trying to help them have their home the way we try to fight for our home Mm -hmm. sure that's a great great point marlene if i might add to what you were saying about being in the lake and seeing the the city from afar it's crazy the city is very busy uh people are very busy and you can see it on the road Mm -hmm. people are going so fast it's a fast life uh, you can easily disconnect from it all. Just go to the lake and you connect with nature. And um, it, it's very easy. But while we still can, um, it, it, it would be good to, to save what's left. And if we can save what's left, I think we'd be all right. We'd be okay. I think we should definitely try our best to save what's left and encourage. Right now in the era that we live we have this horrible but wonderful thing that's called social media and with social media you can things you can make things trendy and you can make things not trendy and people love what we call clout right like which is you know the popular stuff and whenever we showcase all of this beautiful nature it it has happened a lot to a lot of different state parks like all around um, the country like someone will go and just capture how beautiful it is and it will go viral on the internet and the next thing you know everyone's booking a flight to go and check it out too and I feel like that's something that we really need to do with Laredo because Laredo is beautiful like Laredo has a lot of you know hidden gems that are really nice to go see another park that I really really like is um I'm not sure what it's called because they all have Y'all have some really weird names, but you know, uh, Haynes, the Haynes center, the rec center, the rec center. Mm -hmm. Yes. So there's like this little trail, right. That you go down and you can keep on going down and keep on going down. Okay. So it gets to a point where like you can't go further down. Like it's a couple of miles down and you hit the, the Rio Grande, right? You hit the Rio Grande. That place right there is very beautiful too. Like there's a lot of people that go and, and fish there, mm-hmm. and um, and there's a they've designated a special spot for uh, a, a bat park because under the is it Market Street Bridge or not Chihuahua Meadow Meadow the Meadow Bridge, Bridge yeah. um, the um, the Mexican free-tailed bat and um, they're not here year round but they're here for a big chunk of the year and so like uh, if you're there and <clears throat> 
right when the sun is setting and they're at dusk, like tens of thousands of these bats come out and <gasps> circle and fly. And you're like, wow. Oh, Where'd my God. Come from? You know, I just uh, saw the movie Morbius. Have you guys seen? Do, do you guys know? What the, so Morbius, Morbius is uh, um, kind of like the Marvel world, like the superhero world. And it's this guy that he has a, a blood, a, like a degenerate blood disease or something like that. So he mixes his blood uh, with like a bat's blood uh, and then he turns in like to a uh, monster. So, yeah. So that's literally the first thing that came to my head whenever you <laughs> talked about all of these bats. But it reminds me a lot of like the like in Austin, right? Yes, like in Austin, the there's, it's the, there's yes, like a bridge yes, where. Yes, yes, yes. I think that's really and cool. And we've got it here in Laredo. That so people don't know about. Like we used to do something on Halloween um, with Dr. Vaughn, and and uh, and sometimes there's a little fest there. Uh, and yeah, it's a neat place. And it's right, like it's it's yeah, it is the Meadow Street Bridge. It's it's like um, yeah, you can like walk under it during the day and just hear all the bats like chirping or yeah. whatever they do. And chirping. It, right, no, 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 that's yeah. true. Speaking and, to you, yeah. and. And it's just like a, a few minutes walk to the Rio Grande, like <laughs> five minutes or something. That's kind of scary, guys. I'm not going to lie. Very mysterious. <laughs> kind of. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's definitely. I mean, it's really cool. I remember in Monterrey, we had this cave that you could see. I mean, it was like kind of far away. But you could see um, whenever the sun was setting, mm -hmm. tons of bats just would like fly out of the cave. And it was it was kind of scary because they would like fly like super close to you. And I remember what people started doing is that they started putting like their taco stands and like their elote uh, stands right in front of the that's cave. Super cool. So people would go and like you know like eat there and mm -hmm. then just you know just cool. watch the yeah. I think that's I thought that was really cool. At the at the moment I was just like why are these random people just on the side of the it, it was like a highway like carretera and then there, I was just like. Yeah. Why, why, why do you have to like park here? But then we stopped and, and I, you saw the whole bats and I was like, oh my God, that's so scary. <laughs> I was like, now I understand. I mean, wherever, you know, money resides, right? Yeah. Mexicans at the end of the day, we always look for whenever we can, we can make some money, but there's a lot of things in the radio going back to what we were talking about. There's a lot of, you know, small things that maybe for others are small, but whenever you talk about it to just people that are not from here, it's just like, what? Like, you have a, a bat bridge? Like, that's, that's so cool. And then also that place um, by the Rio, the Rio Grande that you can just go and you see people. And, and the other side is Mexico, right? Like, the others, like, the people that are fishing on that side, it's, it's Mexico. I just think that's so crazy. Like, just, you know, hey, it's, you know, on the other side of the on another country and then we're on this country and then you just see the water on the bottom and there's like tons of like just trees and i mean don't get me wrong and la noche gets a little scary because there's some you know homeless people around there too Hoodlums. but um you know it's it's cool and it's a nice little bike ride you can make a little day out of it you know take some sandwiches and it's just really cool. It's just really cool. There's a lot of little gems like that that Laredo just has to offer, and I feel like people just don't know about it. Mm -hmm. Well, you're helping to change that, Marlene. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Thank you. We're, tr we're trying Thank our you. best. We're trying our best. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
What were you gonna say something? No. I feel like you were gonna say something. No, no, no. Oh. <laughs> I was telling uh, JC that my well, my listeners now who know who he is, but whenever we started, we would just I'd just be talking like with my co-host because I had a co-host, and then you just randomly hear like, "Oh yeah, guys!" Like in the back, like <laughs> Josh, and uh, people would just gonna be like, "Oh my god." <laughs> was that yeah and now whenever i have guests on i'm always like josh is my boyfriend he randomly talks during the episode here and there so you know don't be frightened about that but to go ahead and and just you know start closing off the episode um is there anything that you guys want to talk about any upcoming events any you know social media platforms we can reach you at um anything like that Well, on Thursday, June 9th in the morning, Marlene, you have to come. We're unveiling this huge river mural that we're doing. It's at the inner city park, the intersection of Barcelona and Locust, which is uh, just north of Lyon um, uh, and just east of San Francisco. So the inner city park, and there's a pool there and a library. I used to work at the, I used oh, to be a lifeguard for the city. Oh my gosh. So goodness. I know, I know inner city. I used to, so, I almost drowned there once. Oh my gosh. Oh no. <laughs> oh my, okay, we'll come back and we won't, and we'll, we'll, we'll redeem, redeem all of that. We'll, we'll get some good memories off of it. So June 9th, Marlene, in the morning from like 9 to 11, uh, we're going to have this unveiling of this huge mural Um uh, that we commissioned, um, and it's called Mi Rio, Mi Rio Mio, I believe, uh, Mi Rio Grande, right? And it's two city blocks, and uh, wow, that's it's impressive. yeah, the 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 muralist, the artist Tony Briones, he's been at it. It's really beautiful, and uh, we'd like for people to come. We're gonna have activities, and and uh, um, you know there'll be like hot dogs, and, uh, and so sold. Ah. I'll be there. <laughs> So, uh, raspa truck and so Frito pie. Frito. Awesome. Ooh. So I never knew what Frito pies were until I moved to Laredo. In <laughs> case you guys, in case you guys didn't That's know, crazy. <laughs> I did not know what Frito pies were until I was like, until actually work. Cause so we were, we were talking about how Josh and I met each other at work and at work, we worked at Convergies and at Convergies every once in a while, um, they'd be like, Oh guys, today we're treating you to lunch. Frito pies. What pay raise? Here's your Frito pie. Yeah, here's your free Frito pie. (laughs) And I was just like, what's a Frito pie? (laughs) And they were like, oh, chips with um, frijoles and (laughs) cheese. I was like. Is this a joke? What? What do you mean? What kind of chips? And then uh, I, I, I had them and I was like, mind blown. I was like, oh, my God. I was yeah. like frijoles with cheese. Prime time. Yeah, no, it was great. And then um, I'm a big fan of you know your hot Cheetos. Santojan, Santojan. For real. And then your normal you know Fritos and oh they were so great. But um, the event will make sure I if you guys send me a flyer I can go ahead and post okay. it on on we're the done with that. Yeah. the Instagram and um, where can we find you guys? I know you said Facebook, Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, um, RGISC Rio Grande International Study Center. Perfect. Do you guys have like an actual place that's mm-hmm. like the the study center? Mm-hmm. Or? We have an, an office. We're housed at Laredo College. We're not part of Laredo College. Ooh. We're housed there, but there's a wonderful center also at the college oh, that's sure, yeah. 
like just a five minute walk away, the Lamar Bruni Vergara Environmental Science Center. Who I've been there. Yes. Oh, it's wonderful. CJ, I love it. I, CJ I've worked been out there. there for three weeks now, but they got it all. They have yeah, alligators, they snakes. Apparently, the river's got alligators. Too. Oh, I was gonna, I was gonna talk about that. So, have you guys seen the pictures where the Rio Grande has this big alligator? I think it's like so upstream, often, right? right? I think it's like way, like further, further it's upstream. Closer to Falcon. It's either upstream or, or downstream. downstream. It's I never think it's right. downstream. Okay, do you guys think that's possible? Hundred percent. Well, yeah, yeah. Just, yep, they can they can go down with the current. Yeah, the, the, the river brings all sorts but, of things. But there aren't frequent sightings like. No. Like in this part of the Rio Grande, but it is, I mean, of course, yeah, it's possible. Never say never. That's right. They're that's so there. crazy. You got to go out there and find it. Yeah, that's, that's There's alligator scary. gar, the fish, oh, yeah. the catan, you know, and that's like a scary looking fish. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I know that the Lake Casablanca has a lot of um, catfish. Oh, right? sure. Okay. And monster bass. Monster catfish, monster bass. Oh, yeah. If you love fishing, that's where it's at. Okay, Lake guys, I'm going to tell you guys a story. Don't hate on me if it's not probably something I should be doing but um I used to go fishing a lot in Lake Casablanca and um I know that there's a I know that there's a myth that you can fish with chicken nuggets Mm -hmm. that you can fish like catfish with chicken nuggets and usually get the bigger ones and we tried it once and it worked and we were fishing with chicken nuggets. Yeah, we were fishing with it was what so kind of chicken nuggets. It's just your McDonald's chicken nuggets. Yeah. <laughs> just your McChicken nuggets. And um we would just, you know, cut them off in like little four little pieces and then you just you know, put it on there and sure. It's true. It yeah, true. and we w- they were big catfish too. They were big catfish. Oh. But I know there's like there's um like stories going around that there's like a ten pound catfish like at Lake Casablanca that just like you see it here and there and like that some people have tried like catch it, but like she's really smart and like you can't really catch it. You just you know see it. I there, love like, how you call her like a she. Of course, of course. She's a big girl. <laughs> of no. course. And uh, my boyfriend hates that I always do that. He's like, <laughs> I always do it with like inanimate objects too. Like I'll be like, oh, like she's okay. Or like, and I just always, I, and my boyfriend's always like, I don't understand. Like I, he was so confused at first. He was just like, who, who are you talking about? And I'm just like, you know, the mic, you know, she's, you know, and he's just like, what? Why do you call it a she? It's so funny. But um, I do that a lot. I do it less now, but I, I used it's to funny. do it a lot, a lot. It's cool. But um, to finally finish off this episode, um, you guys can go ahead and find them on Facebook, Instagram, uh, also, you know, at LC. And I'll make sure to post that on there. I'll tag you guys and um, so you guys are, are on there. And any events that you guys, I know you guys post them on Facebook, right? Most of your events, because that's where I've seen them mostly. And I, think, and I think Insta too, Marlene. Okay. It's because I know Facebook has like the event. Uh, you know how Facebook, yeah, you can yeah. create an event mm-hmm. and like share mm-hmm. it to people. And Instagram okay. usually just has like posts. Okay. So um, I'll go ahead and, and regardless, you know, tag both of those. And thank you so much for, mm. for coming today and talking it to me fun. and educating me a little bit. And, you know, laughing about my jokes and stuff. <laughs> and um, CJ and I are going to go get some Frito pies now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I made you guys hungry. <laughs> yeah, you definitely made me hungry. <laughs> thank you again for you know all our listeners for for staying true and just keep on you know hearing my voice every week talking to 
people that I find incredibly interesting, you know, including you guys. Thank you again. And we'll go ahead and, and talk next week, guys. Thank you.